um, we're in a series called Hot Topics. Hot Topics, the point of this series, the little subtitle I have is Stuff That's Hard to Talk About. Let me say this as a precursor to everything else I'm going to say. Some of the reason that people struggle with depression and anxiety and suicidal thoughts and anger is because of the people they surround themselves with. Some of the people that will hear tonight and think that was for me, you might need to go backwards to last week and think, who are the people that are perpetuating the depression in my life? Because I know a lot of depressed people who surround themselves with good people, and suddenly their depression doesn't last as long as it could have had they just surrounded themselves with negative people who just coddle their depression. I want to encourage you, if you struggle with thoughts, and we'll talk all about this kind of stuff, get around some people that are going to encourage you out of it. Anyways, depression and anxiety is what we're going to talk about tonight. And um, my, I'm going to do my best to keep this lighthearted, but also just um, shoot straight. I'm going to share a bunch of thoughts. I have it coming from different angles, and so I'm going to try and just kind of share some unfiltered thoughts. Depression and anxiety. And again, I'll keep it lighthearted. I want you to take notes. I want you to write this stuff down. So if you are on your phone, uh, I would encourage you to take notes. Write this stuff down or write something that sticks out to you because it might help you or it might help someone that you know because I'm going to speak to two angles. I'm going to speak to those of you who need to hear this and those of you who need to spread this, okay? Statistics. I'm going to give you a couple statistics that set the framework. One in five students today in our nation, so you could say in our community, potentially even higher because in suburban communities and in places that are nestled between urban and rural, uh, there tends to be a lot more because sometimes there's not a lot to do. And so some of these statistics can actually be much higher in communities like ours that are five minutes from, uh, from downtown Kent or 10 minutes and then five minutes from farm country. And so we find ourselves in the middle of that. So there's all sorts of different types of ways that we could look at this. But one in five students has some sort of mental health issue or disorder. One in five today. It's probably higher than this. Nearly 20% of teenagers, in other words, almost one in five, have some sort of suicidal thought every year. 50% of people who struggle with depression and suicidal thoughts, in other words, half, are never treated and never talk to anyone about it. I think it's appropriate to talk about this stuff because, uh, especially today in, 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 in our day, with what's been going on in our community uh, in these last couple of weeks. You heard about Anthony Bourdain probably, and he was a famous chef, and he was a, um, you know, a TV show host, and he was a fun guy. He was one of those guys that if you watched his show, he would explore cultures and eat food and make funny jokes and do crazy stuff, and he seemed like he had it together. He was one of those guys who's like, he flies under the radar of all the chaos of celebrities and yet gets to do all the fun stuff, and he's well-loved and liked and seems like everyone, you know, he's got it all together, and yet he took his life this week. You have Kate Spade, who was a creative genius and, and took her life just over a week ago. You have shows, like I mentioned earlier, 13 Reasons Why. How many of you have ever watched any of those episodes? Okay, most of us in here. And I haven't watched any of the second season. Uh, I watched a few minutes of it. Uh, of the first episode, actually, but I watched all of last season, and I can't tell you that I would advocate that anybody watch that, but what I do know 
is that it, it is exploring and underscoring a deep felt tension that we feel in our day. There's a lot of heavy stuff going on. A lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of things that are underneath the surface that people look right past and have no clue is actually going on. And many of you are saying, yeah, that's me. How do I get it out? Um, we've got bullying. We've got school shootings. There are people who are so far gone in their minds and yet probably not that far gone in ways that take the lives of others because they don't know how to deal with their thoughts. There's a lot of darkness in our world. It's not just in our nation, it's around the world, but in our nation it's unique because in the Western world we seem to have discovered a good worldview and a good way of life, and yet the paradox of it is that the darkness is much easier to fly underneath the surface. See, the reason I think that Christianity spreads in places like China, in places like North Korea, in places like Syria, where you could be killed or oppressed heavily for your faith, is because there's no beneath the surface. It's all just out there. And you either have hope in God or you don't. And that's why people that find God there, they go gung-ho even though their family will leave them. And they could be machine gunned down if they uh, renounce the name of Allah. Because they have discovered a real hope in Christ. The unique thing about here, and I don't want to downplay any of your experiences with God. The unique thing here is that we can very, in a real way, accept Christ. But then easily and casually go back to normal life and get away with living two different lives. I know this not because I watch it. I know this because I've lived it before. I am the kind of human that struggles merging my life and my faith. Where I can still live, like I can follow Jesus, really actually deep down love God. I remember when I said yes to God in kindergarten. I remember when I got filled with the Spirit in the back of a van when I was 12 years old. I remember when God called me to ministry. I remember moments at camps. And, and I, this is why I encourage you to go to camp. It's not about the fun. It will be fun. It's not about the memories. There will be memories. It's not about how late you can stay up and make fart jokes and fart and like stink up your room and all that kind of stuff and go crazy and have pillow fights that break Cameron's arm. It's not about that, though that will happen. <clears throat> it's about the fact that you need a word from God that will sustain the rest of your life, change the trajectory of your life. And you think, if you think it's about whether you're too busy or not, and I'm not trying to shame you if you can't go to camp, I'm not even, I'm not in that business. If you can't or you're, you got life going on, I get that. But what I'm saying is I want you to hear my heart. This is an opportunity for us to get out of the rhythm of the darkness of this world, get fueled by God so that we can go into the world and bring the light of God that the world desperately needs. That's why we do camp, friends. This is why we do Wednesday nights. That's why we do all of this, because the world needs it. You and I need it. <clears throat> There's a lot of darkness. Um, and the reason I want to talk about this is not so that I can point at stuff and just make this heavy thing. It's because we want to help. Um, and if we only ever talk about, you know, the outward things that seem to be the outward cause, pick your issue. What, does, what do people debate about? You know, how do we stop this? 
kind of crime? How do we stop this kind of issue? And they don't know because they, they just don't know. They don't know how to talk about the root cause, which is what I want to talk about. Not that there cannot be legislation and things that we need to do to, to, to stop the bleeding, but there's still a deeper issue, which is the need for God. I won't be ashamed about that or shy away from it. I'm also not here to say that we just need to say, oh, you're depressed? You just need Jesus. No, you also need to talk to someone. And you also might need to change what you eat. And you also might need to change, you know, there's a lot of stuff that we got to talk about. But I believe that at the root, in God, is the answers that we need. And I think if, only, if we only talk about the surface things, we miss the opportunity to help people. And that's the key word, because we want to help people. So I want to give you some unfiltered thoughts that, can, that we can kind of talk through, and then I'll give you a scripture, and I'll re- rein it all in, and then I'm hoping that we'll have some time to pray for people. So I need to talk fast, because I keep talking. Okay, give, I'm going to give you some unfiltered thoughts that you can write down if you want. I'm going to give you thoughts for people who are struggling, and then I want to give you thoughts for people that are not struggling, but you know someone who is, okay? And you might find yourself in both of those, so I want you to listen keenly. Number one is the feelings and thoughts that you have are real. Don't be ashamed of them. Now, I'm not saying that they are more real than the goodness of God. But I'm not trying to say that what you're feeling, you need to suppress it. Because that's where a lot of the issue comes in is, oh, I'm not supposed to feel this. So I need to put it away. It also doesn't define who you are. So be careful that when you feel things that you don't go to the umpteenth conclusion, either, oh, it's not real, or, oh, this is who I am. No, acknowledge the thought and then transcend it. Know that you're not alone and know that God is still real and that he's going to help you through it. Okay, so the thoughts that you have are real, but you're not, al- you're not alone. So don't keep it bottled up. Number two, uh, the story is never over. It will get better, so don't give up. And I think oftentimes we go on a downward spiral because we think that there's no hope. And it would be like if you discovered that you, you didn't realize, but all of a sudden you've got, like, you've got seven different debts you've got to pay out, and it's like $280,000, and you have no job and no money, and you, you have no credit, so you can't buy a car to get to a job, and all this kind of stuff. And so you discover it, and you realize, oh, I'm just done. I might as well never pay it back anyways. So what happens is people with oftentimes that are struggling with thoughts and fears and things like that, um, will tend to look at the nature of the feelings they feel, be overwhelmed by it. So think, it's easier for me to just give up than to try and face this. But when you know there's hope and there's a light at the end of the tunnel, then it's going to change how you approach it. The story's never over. Number three, just because you may not be heavily struggling doesn't mean your feelings are any less real. And I'm speaking to people that were like me as a teenager who I may have never struggled like someone who is clinically depressed or just, you know, has something in their past that is really haunting them and makes it difficult for them to function. But, but I, had, I had feelings and issues and when people said things or whatever that, that hurt me and I always used to think, well, I don't have a crazy story like John over there so I guess God doesn't really like want to help me or I can't really talk about this because how dare me try and bring up my issue when someone else there has some so much more of a severe issue just because you may not be heavily struggling 
doesn't mean that your feelings are not real. Anxiety and fear are often at the core of it, and everyone has their moments. And if we're not careful, what we do is we say, I'm exempt from being able to talk about this. So what we do is we may have a small feeling right now. We push it down. We never talk about it, but the small thing becomes bigger. And a fear becomes crippling. And now all of our life decisions and our outlook on the future becomes so limited by our fear because we thought that we weren't able to talk about it. Does that make sense? So if you're kind of struggling or you have thoughts, you don't know how to think about it, it's okay to talk about it with somebody. It would be better than suppressing it. Number four, if you're heavily struggling, so this is the flip side, it doesn't make you messed up. So please know, if you have deep, dark, tough, stuff. You're not messed up. You're not too far gone. God sees your feelings. He acknowledges them, and he still has a plan for your life. If you're heavily struggling, you are not messed up. In fact, I believe that God wants to set you free so that you can be a part of setting others free. I truly believe that. I know people, probably even some in this room, who in their past are issues of deep depression and anxiety and fear and broken things that are now here today serving the needs of others because God said, your story's not over. You're not too far gone. Lastly, with God, the issue never has the final word. God does. As people of God, the cross defines who we are. Your depression your identity problem, your struggle, your fear, your sin, your past, it does not define you. The world would want to say that that's what defines you so that they can try and give you a remedy that they have created. Now, I don't want to downplay the need and the validity of medicine, counseling, and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's actually important. I think it's needed. And overly spiritual people will push that away when sometimes that's a part of the solution. But your struggle is not who you are, nor is your success. Because when we define ourselves by the good or the bad, we forget that it's actually the cross of Jesus Christ that defines who we are. And when you're defined by the cross, you can be a messed up person who is defined by Jesus. You can be a broken, depressed, anxious person whose definition of who they are was once that thing but is now defined by the cross. I want you to know that. Now, I want to give you a couple thoughts for leaders, and then we're going to come around on this. Thoughts, and I say for leaders, what I mean is thoughts for people who have friends going through stuff, and God wants to use you to help be a part of the solution. Number one, your words matter. Your words matter. James 3.5 says the tongue is a small part of the body, but it says big things. Consider that a forest fire is started by a small spark. If a forest fire is started by a small spark, imagine what your words can do. Your casual joke has the potential to stick with someone for years. Trust me, I know this. I had, a, I had a person make fun of me in seventh grade for something that wasn't even true, but it, it poked at a small insecurity of mine, and that stuck with me for many years. 
And every time I would hear someone say something or there was something related to that kind of relationship or whatever, it triggered my memory back to that one moment in class where that person made fun of me. That small word stuck with me. So we think, oh, I'm just joking when I say this or I do that. No, 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 no. Your jokes, if we're not careful, our sarcasm, the way we belittle people, even the way that we are with our closest friends where we feel like we can be real, we don't know it, but it sticks with them in the night. And when they they close their eyes, they're reminded, because the enemy knows what to grab a hold of. So the enemy says, hey, remember when he was joking about that? He was joking, but it's actually true. You are messed up. You are no good. You are ugly. You are fat. You are stupid. And he says these things, and he, he latches onto a lie and, and parades it around like it's truth. And even though we might say, no, 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 and then it sticks with us. And the seed was planted by a small spark of a joke in class. Now, I'm not trying to say, okay, think of any time you told a joke and be like, oh, man, I'm guilty. But our words have power. Imagine what you could do with an encouraging word. I can't tell you how many times I felt prompted by the Holy Spirit. And in the moment, it was just an idea. I didn't know it was the Holy Spirit, but I just felt prompted. Hey, you should go thank that person. You should go encourage that person. Go give that person a high five. Go give them a hug. Imagine what your small encouraging word could do to spiral someone upward. So maybe instead of thinking about how not to say something mean or bad or sarcastic or whatever, think about, hey, what is one thing I could say to somebody who I know might be struggling this week? Just to encourage them. You could actually save their life. There was a story I heard. I told the worship team I heard it 20 minutes ago. Oh, an hour, right before service. Heard a story. There was a, a person who... Um, is helping with our security team and he was in the army and he had a friend who was in the army years ago call him and he, uh, through a series of things, he had had a a lot of memories and things that were hurting his mind and he was in in a moment of weakness wanted to take his life and he called this guy and he said, hey, um, I don't know what to do, I'm going to take my life. And he was drunk and and he's he's talking with him and and he prays for him, he doesn't know what to say. And the guy in the course of the conversation said, Give me a scripture, and he ambiguously throws out Joshua. Uh, He throws out this reference. He's like, give me a scripture out of Joshua that can help me. The next morning in church, um, it just so happens that Pastor Steve um, took some NyQuil, got up in the middle of the night, tripped over something, and hurt his jaw and his arm, goes to the hospital, calls me at 6 a.m., says, hey, Taylor, you're preaching. So I preach out of the book of Joshua on cities of refuge and how we as the church are called to be a refuge for people who are running. And that exact message the very next morning was what that person needed to hear. Imagine what our words in the right time, us not knowing it, we are being prophetic, speaking into the future, speaking life into death. That's what you have the power to do. You are the people of God. Stop being the people of the devil, saying the devil's words. When God has called you to use the words of life and speak life and future and purpose and hope over people. Don't waste your time. And use words that build up, not words that tear down. If you don't know how to build up, what did, what did uh, was it Thumper and Bambi? If you can't say nothing nice, don't say nothing at all. 
But I would encourage you, you have the power to literally speak things into existence with your words. It's faith. It's the people of God. This is what we do. Number two, I got to run through this. I might go three minutes over. Deal with it. Sometimes, number two, sometimes you need to let people have their journey, but other times you need to disrupt it. This is where the Holy Spirit comes in. So I'll say it again. Sometimes you need to let people have their journey, and other times you need to disrupt it. And here's the key. Don't let fear of what they may say, do, or feel dictate whether you'll do it or not. Okay? So you have to have discernment. And sometimes it means you got to ask somebody. You can never go wrong asking a trusted advisor, hey, how do I help my friend? I don't know what to do. That's always a good idea. Unless you're the kind of person who has a savior complex and you go to somebody else about everyone's problem to elevate yourself, that's a whole different story. Get out of here. You go do you, okay? But you got a friend, you're like, oh, man, I don't, I don't know what to do, but I can't not do something. Call your youth leader. Call your small group leader. Call, go to your school counselor and say, I don't know what to do. All I know is I can't not do something. Start there. Pray about it. Pray for them. You can literally, literally, you cannot go wrong praying for someone ever. Pray. And if you don't know what to pray or you got a bad attitude when you're praying, pray for your attitude and then pray again. If you got a bad motive in it, pray for your motive and then pray. Sometimes you got to let people have their journey. But other times you need to disrupt it. I remember a time Noel and I were new youth pastors to someone. Um, they, uh, they, long story short, someone called us up. Hey, I think, they're gonna run, I think my um, half-sister is going to run away. I don't know if you remember this. And we're like, okay, we'll deal with it in the morning. Um, and we just kind of put it off. It was late at night. We didn't want to disrupt the flow of stuff. And then we got a text the next morning when we woke up that that person had run away. And it, was a, it went down a dark downward spiral. And it was really tough. And I don't own that because I didn't run away. But what I did do after that is determine, okay, I want to be more discerning and open when I get an invitation like this to not just dismiss it and put it off, assume they'll be okay, assume they'll get over it, okay? On the flip side, if someone tells you they're struggling with thoughts, don't run, don't scream, don't go, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what do I do? You ever seen someone get injured and 30 people crowd around and it makes it worse? Don't be like that. Someone's got an issue, say, okay, let's talk about it. Thank you for coming to me. Look them in the eye. Be calm. Dissolve. If you could write down one word for tonight, dissolve. Dissolve the situation. This is conflict resolution 101. Dissolve it with your words, with your attitude, with your spirit. Don't overreact. Surprise them with your underreaction and extreme level of joy and compassion, okay? So don't overreact, okay? Don't be like, oh, okay, cool, man. Um, cool, well, I gotta go to work. Um, let's, talk, let's talk next week, okay? Okay, D don't do that either. Dissolve the situation. Sometimes you need to let people have their journey. Sometimes you need to disrupt it. Sometimes you gotta step back, keep your eyes open. Sometimes you might need to say, hey, this is above my pay grade, so I'm gonna call a trusted advisor, bring them in on it. And if it means you temporarily losing a friend, but you know that what you're doing could be saving their life, then go on and lose your friend. Please. 
Because it'd be better for you to temporarily lose a friend than for you to lose a friend because of your lack of action. Okay? Above all, be discerning. And make sure that you're, number three, make sure you're not so busy that it makes people feel like they can't go to you. Number four, you're not their savior. So don't have the savior complex. You can't fix people's problems. Only God can. So let God be God. And you be you. And in fact, why don't you make a commitment to God to partner with him to help the people in your world? Um, I got so much to say, but it's already 8.17. I want to spend some time praying for people. So I want to read scripture. I'm going to share something really quick. 2 Corinthians 10. I want you to write down this passage of scripture. Sure, you can come up now. Ben can come up. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 2. It says, I beg you, I beg of you that when you come back that I might not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think Hear this word, hear this right here. Who think that we live by the standards of the world. Hint, we don't. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war. In other words, this is a war, but we don't do it like the world wages war. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish every argument and every pretension that sets itself sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. There's another scripture in the New Testament, and I don't have it referenced down here, but what it says, I believe it's in Hebrews, it says that the blood of Jesus speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. What this is saying is that there's a truth. You might be broken. You might have been abused. You might have been hurt in your past, real stuff. I don't want to even for one second diminish that, okay? Horrible things may have happened to or around you or to someone that you know and you hurt for them. You may be hurting, you may be waking up in the middle of the night with dreams that you did not invite, although you may have, but you wake up nonetheless with dreams that torment your soul and you hurt and you feel it and you wonder, why is this happening? And so what oftentimes that we say is, this defines us. But can I tell you, as a Christian, if you believe in Jesus, the blood of Jesus speaks a better word than any word that might come into your mind in the middle of the night. The blood of Jesus speaks a better word. But here's the thing. The blood of Jesus, you don't just get to say, all right, blood, do your thing. No, what you gotta do is you gotta speak to yourself, okay? So if you're depressed or you're anxious or you have fear in your heart or you're anywhere on this spectrum or you got moments where you're afraid, there's power in your confession over yourself. I caught myself doing it the other day. I said, I, I like, um, I was doing something petty. It was, I was by myself. I said, I'm such an idiot. It was like the Holy Spirit reminded me right then. And it was a small thing, and I don't actually believe that I'm an idiot, though sometimes I do idiotic things. I said that. And I was reminded, no, I'm not. Why am I saying that about myself? How often do we automatically say these things? We rehearse it over ourselves. I'm depressed. I'm broken. I'm too far gone. 
So what we do is we rehearse the negative things, but what we have to do is what the scripture says. What does it say? It says the weapons, we're in a war. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So we demolish those strongholds. We demolish the arguments and the pretensions that set themselves up against the knowledge of God, the truth of God. What is the truth of God? God loves you. God's for you. God is with you. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. There is nothing in your past or your future that will dissolve God's love for you. You cannot outrun his grace. You cannot outrun his goodness. He will never stop loving you. That's the truth of God. So when the devil comes and says, you're not loved, you say, screw you, devil. I am loved. I'm the righteousness of God. I'm sorry. Jesus did it for me. I didn't do it. But when I knew sin, when I was sin, when I was active in my sin, that Christ died for me. So I'm sorry, devil, but your words don't mean a thing to me. I am now new in Christ. That's the old me, but it is not the me now. I am now defined by the blood of Jesus and the word of my testimony that no matter what comes, I'm a new creation. So you start to tell the devil, you start to tell the enemy. And I'm saying that in the middle of the night, you get up, you turn on your life, light. Maybe you need to turn on some worship music. Maybe you need to walk outside. I don't know what it is for you, but you look at, and maybe you draw a little picture on your whiteboard in your room, if you got one, and you say, that's the devil. And you say, hey, devil, I got to tell you something. You have no power in my room anymore. I'm sorry, when I go to sleep from this day forward, you don't have the right to walk into these doors because this door is covered by the blood of the lamb. And so I'm sorry, but you have no space here anymore. This is why you don't watch horror movies. Don't tell me you're depressed and you watch horror movies and say there's no correlation. Stop it. You have no business putting that, I wanna swear, but I'm not going to, into your heart. You are planting seeds of depression and darkness it has no business in the believer's life. It doesn't. You gotta be careful what you feed yourself because it will come out and you'll wake up tormented in the night. But in those moments, remind the devil who he is, that he's under your feet, that you are in charge. You tell every thought, hey, thought, you have to obey the word of God. Let me give you some quick tools. I want you to write this down. I want you to memorize it. We did a series about a year and a half, two years ago called The Armor of God. Ephesians chapter six. I want you to memorize this. You have to memorize it because it will, it will position you to live a victorious life in God. Please memorize it. Don't waste your time not. Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 through 18. I'll read it to you. It says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, let me pause here and say before I forget, if you need to talk to someone, we're going to have our leaders up here in a minute. We're going to pray. And some of you might just need to talk. You might need to see a counselor, but don't wait, please. You're not, we will not demonize you. In fact, many of the people who will be up here will say, sorry, I was just there a few years ago. I know how you feel. Your school counselors, whoever it is, don't go talk to your friend who's depressed because they'll just depressitize you. That's not even a word, but they'll do it. 
Talk to somebody who's led by the Spirit of God who can speak life into you. But anyways, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, back to that war thing, but it's against the rulers and the authorities and the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, keep standing. Stand firm then with the belt of truth wrapped around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Those thoughts, they're arrows, aren't they? Those lies that come from people who gossip about you, make fun of you and drive you back into the hole, those are arrows, aren't they? They hurt. But friends, you are not without weapons. You've got the word of God, which it says right here, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one, evil one and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You are not defenseless. If you have God, you've got this word. And I would encourage you that if you feel these depressing thoughts and all, and maybe you've got, you've got things that you've struggled with or you've got a friend who does, guess what? I don't want you to take this and hit him in the face with it, but what I do want you to know is that this is not static. This is alive and it's active. And in this is all that you need to be able to combat the enemy's tools. The shield of faith. This is the beauty of community, isn't it? Is that when I've got a shield, I can lock in with all these different people with shields, and if it takes me out, guess what? I can hide behind the next person's shield. And so what you do is when you're here and you surround yourself with the right people, you are not only relying on your faith, but you got the faith of those around you. And some of you, the reason that you're struggling so much is because you feel like you're trying with your little dinky shield, but these arrows are not going to stop coming. But you've got all these other defenseless people who don't know God. And what you've got to do is get your strength back. Get around some people who know God, who love God, who will encourage and challenge you so that you can have the strength that you need to go and protect the others around you. You have the tools that you need right here. If you memorize this scripture, I guarantee you, you're going to have opportunity after opportunity in your school, even in the last week of your school, to bring life into somebody's world that is dark. But it starts with us knowing the tools that we've got. You've got your truth. You've got righteousness. You've got peace. You've got faith. And you've got hope. I have so many things I want to say, but I want to invite our leaders. If we can maybe Here's what I want you to do. I want you to bow your heads and I want you to close your eyes. I want the leaders to just come up and stand right here, all of our adult leaders. And we're gonna, we're gonna spend some time and pray. We'll go, we'll go over a couple minutes and I'll dismiss you when the time comes. So I wanna ask you to maintain this attitude for just a minute. But um, close your eyes, bow your heads. Because this is a real thing. Um, I want to... I don't want to miss the opportunity that we have right now to pray and, um, and speak to the darkness some light. I believe that God wants to set you free. I believe that the enemy has had a foothold, but right now those footholds are being diminished. They're crumbling. 
And you're now giving joy a foothold. You're giving peace and truth and life footholds so they can begin to occupy the tower of your mind. And maybe you're saying, I need prayer for somebody in my world. Receive this. You might, hate, you might have somebody in your family who you're saying, I need to receive prayer for them. That's what I want you to come up for. So here's what I'm going to do in the count of three. We have these leaders that are ready to pray with you and talk with you and do whatever that it is you need. So please don't miss this opportunity. If you say, you know what, I'm struggling. I am in a dark place. Talk with someone recently who you think they're the happiest person, but the moment they put their head on the pillow, the darkness comes in and they wake up in the middle of the night with terrors and they don't know what to do and it hurts and they're afraid and they wake up the next morning feeling ashamed of those things even coming. But I believe that even that kind of thing, God wants to set you free from it because you have the mind of Christ. You are a new creation. The old has passed away and all things have been made new in Jesus' name. So if that's you, you say, you know what, I'm struggling. I'm hurting. I'm having a hard time. I'm depressed. Somebody is hurting me or whatever it might be. There's something going on in my life that is dark. Pains. Whatever it is. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, you're going to have leaders up here. I want you to come up and I want you to find a leader. We're going to pray for you and believe that God's going to set you free. If you're out there and you're not receiving prayer, I want